Hey there, I'm Colin Weston, host of the Mod Golf Podcast. We wrapped up season six in early September, and since then, many of you listeners have contacted me asking, when are you publishing more episodes? So I'm here to let you know that after two years and over 70 episodes of the Mod Golf Podcast, we are taking a couple of months off to develop our seventh season that will release starting early January 2020. But in the meantime, I've put together a recap of our previous season, giving you a taste of the 10 episodes that we published. Last season, we compiled a diverse group of golf innovation stories, ranging from the industry insights provided by Buffalo Agency founder Rich Katz, to grow the game initiatives that are passionately supported by organizations like Youth on Course and the Latina Golfers Association. Over the next 20 minutes, I'll provide you with a quick soundbite from each episode that I hope piques your interest so that you'll go back and listen to the ones you like most. To get us started, episode one featured my conversation with Professor Rene Morbon, co-author of the best-selling business books, Blue Ocean Strategy and Blue Ocean Shift. Rene delivers a masterclass on how golf industry businesses and organizations can capture new demand, find new customers, and make the competition irrelevant. You can apply Blue Ocean at various levels in the golf. The golf equipment, I would argue, Big Bertha in a way, in the past. Why do most people play tennis versus golf? Really, one of the key things is in tennis, I can immediately start to hit the ball, and without being good at all, I feel like I'm playing. With golf, the whole industry focused on how far I can hit the golf ball. When the majority of people, the issue was, I can't hit the golf ball, period, no matter how many times I try. The head is so small and the ball is so small, and Big Bertha set out to make a slightly bigger head to say, can we make this a little bit an easier hit for more people? And it was very successful, obviously. And so I just think that all those pain points in all the areas of golf are tremendous opportunities to rethink that industry in, in many exciting ways. Professor Morbone and I discussed golf business case studies like Top Golf, the major series of putting, and Women's Golf Day as Blue Ocean Strategy examples of how the golf industry can appeal to an untapped market segment of current non-golfers to unlock new opportunity and revenue. I had the pleasure of working with the Blue Ocean Strategy team over the last couple of years, and they invited me to write a blog post that talks about how this business methodology applies to the golf industry. The article is called, How Golf Industry Innovators Are Turning Green Fairways into Blue Oceans. And you can give it a read on our blog page on the Mod Golf Podcast website at mod.golf. My episode two guest was Kevin Thistle, who is the CEO of the PGA of Canada. Kevin joined us to share how his organization is showing thought leadership by taking an open and innovative educational approach to teaching the next generation of golf professionals around the world. Really inclusiveness, it's like when someone comes to a golf course, I don't care if they happen to be a young lady or a senior or they happen to be of ethnicity. What's the culture at that golf course? You might only have one or two times to welcome a golfer. So it's one thing where, especially a beginner, the starter, the marshal, the golf pro, you've got to really be so inclusive. You know, we have a great program that we partner with Golf Canada on called Golf and School. So it's an amazing program. It's where you actually will sponsor a school. And what will happen is it's almost like a big hockey bag will show up with plastic clubs and rings and balls and targets. So we get these clubs in these schools and all of a sudden it's like a nine or 10 year old. They go home and say, mom, dad, I want to go to the driving range. I'm a golfer. I learned to golf today. And they go, oh, we've never really played golf, never been exposed to it. And we've got to make sure that it's a link between getting them from the golf and schools program from their school to a driving range that welcomes them, that understands that these are fresh new golfers. And then there's got to be a link again to a golf course that welcomes them with open arms. There are a lot of beginners here. We want to help them out and just have fun. On our next episode, I spoke with Tanel Bolt, 
who is an adaptive paragolfer who was paralyzed from the chest down as a result of an extreme sport accident four years ago. Tanel shares with us her difficult yet personally rewarding journey of a life transformed after suffering this devastating injury. Post-injury, I have recently acquired a paragolfer, which is a stand-up adaptive golf unit that allows paraplegics, amputees, anybody dealing with mobility issues to stand up unassisted, swing the golf club. This to me has opened up huge doors, not just for me, but for other adaptive athletes as well. This paragolfer and the ability to open up the adaptive golf world in Canada has been thrilling. I was able to go to the first ever International Wheelchair Golf Open Championship in Mallorca, Spain. Traveling is bar none the most exciting thing to do in a wheelchair. It is new, it is exciting, it is turbulent, it is so much fun, and the fact that I got to go to Spain, which is a country I've never visited, with 42 other wheelchair users and adaptive golfers, and experience the first golf tournament of its kind, I consider myself very, very fortunate for that. After our episode recording, I met up with Tanel a couple of weeks later at a British Columbia golf event in Vancouver. One of the speakers at that Grow the Game event was Dr. Roger Hawks, who is the Executive Director for the Golf and Health Project out of the UK. I was so impressed with Dr. Hawks' message, knowledge, and passion that I asked him on the spot if he'd like to be interviewed on the Mod Golf Podcast. Thankfully, he agreed. So in Episode 4, he shared with us how his organization helps drive, and increase participation in golf, improve the public image of the sport, and raises support for golf in the political arena. We've got several controlled trials going on around the world with strength and balance, particularly with Parkinson's. But we're also fostering, taking an interest in other studies, which may be at an earlier stage. For instance, in the UK, there's quite a lot of work going on in demonstrating mental health improvements and mental toughness in children even. Those are early stage because once those studies have shown some proof of concept, you then start doing controlled trials to show policymakers who are much more critical that those factors are truly benefited by playing golf. So we're here for the long term, although the project goes on for five years, we hope there will be a legacy so that golf and indeed other sports, because we've had interest in other sports, perhaps copying our approach and showing that their sport has benefits and risks and how they're going to manage it. So we're just the start. And for once now, our leaders in golf, Martin Slumbers, can stand up and boast about some of the benefits of golf without being fearing to be shot down because he can look then to leading international journals and say, well, it's written in there. Please talk to them. Episode 5 led us to a conversation about economic, social, and environmental sustainability in the golf industry, as my guest was Gina Rizzi, founder and principal of Radius Sports Group. Gina joined us to share how her companies are unlocking new value between the intersection of sport, sustainability, and corporate social responsibility. So the CSR report is a document which shares the story of what an organization does in terms of impacting that triple bottom line, the economic, environmental, and social aspects of sustainability. We want to show an organization why it is impactful to them to not only do the report, but implement and drive the behavior to 
create impacts that are positive for the economy, for the community, and for the environment. And that includes guest loyalty, guest retention, employee retention, attracting new hires and different generations that have a different value set. That's another benefit by communicating through a CSR report sharing the story of all the behaviors that an organization does and then creating some benchmarks of figures around, say, natural resource use. It could be energy use, water use, it could be waste management, recycling, composting. Also looking at diversity and inclusion, what are the levels of hiring from minority population, female population. It could be looking at supply chains, so how much is purchased locally, how much is purchased through responsible or diverse suppliers. And looking at all of these things, you establish the performance that an organization is at, create some goals, publish them, and then drive behaviors to achieve those goals. With episode six, we return to showcasing Grow the Game initiatives with my guest, Larry Gahuli, who is an agronomist with the United States Golf Association. Larry is a passionate advocate and ambassador for the Tee It Forward program, whose mandate is to increase both the enjoyment and participation in golf. At my course, I'll give you here, Canterwood down in Gig Harbor. Very difficult golf course, first built. The architect was told, make it the hardest course in the state. He did it. And I know when I first moved here in 1993, People would come out and play the golf course and they would not join. Why? It's too hard. And it wasn't the guys that were saying it. It was the women. At 55 to 5,600, it was too much. We added about eight years ago forward tees to get it down to 5,100. Before those forward tees were added, a lot of my friends, the older guys that were here, they absolutely steadfastly said, there's not a chance I'll ever play the ladies tees, which were at 55, 56. Now we fast forward eight years and those guys all winter long play the old forward tees at 55 to 56. Many of them retain that through the entire year. And now we have the silver tees and our silver tees are down around 51. And there's a few of them playing there. And I know that when we finish, we still have some tees we need to do that they'll move there. Well, if they weren't there, they'd probably quit. And that's no business model to have. You've got to retain your older players. And then again, on the other side, when new players come to join, and then there's kids, you better have something there that they enjoy. Gosh, that was fun. I'd like to play here all the time. Over the past couple of years, I've built a strong relationship with Buffalo Agency, who have introduced me to several of our previous guests like Golf Tech founder Joe Ossel and Arcos Golf CEO Sal Sayed. I spoke with Buffalo Agency founder and principal Rich Katz at the PGA show on several occasions, and I'm continually blown away by his depth of golf industry knowledge and I'm grateful for his willingness to share it. So for episode 7, I figured it was about time to let Rich share his stories and knowledge with you our Mod Golf podcast audience, from his nearly three decades in the golf business. So we go on data, Colin. Data is information and stats that, assuming the methodology is right, and collecting it, analyzing it, segmenting it, is indisputable. It doesn't leave room for much gray area. It makes us smarter. It informs decisions. And when we read media reports or accounts on the state of golf, we've all seen the negative headlines, right? Golf, rest in peace. It's engraved in the image of a tombstone. Golf is on the skids. What's golf's savior? It's on the decline. Where's golf's heyday gone? Tiger come back. Do not believe everything you read. Reality is that the current future of golf is alive and well. And it's alive and well, not just for this generation, but for next generations. We all know journalists are out to win Pulitzer Prizes. They exaggerate negativity, controversy, debate. That's what they want to prompt in a public forum. 
but to the contrary, even I'm the internal pessimist. I'm just brimming with optimism. What people don't know from a sustainability standpoint is golf's everlasting contributions, social, economic, and environmental to society. And it's gone up substantially the past five or so years, and it's not majorly tied to inflation, which is really, really cool. For Episode 8, we continued our support to grow and transform golf as we showcase those individuals and organizations that make the game welcoming and open to everyone. I sat down with M. Hike, CEO of Youth on Course, to learn how his team provides youth ages 6 to 18 with access to life-changing opportunities through golf. It's amazing that while I think everybody recognizes the need to work together, there are still so many silos in golf. The industry is so fragmented, and as long as it's good for us, then maybe we'll look at it from a holistic standpoint. What will make this beneficial for kids, first and foremost, and their families? But then, how are we going to really get buy-in? How can we take this holistic approach so that it is good for golf courses? This is going to add to their bottom lines. They're going to be welcoming of kids and families. And what will the PGA think of this? How will this work with Junior League, which is almost like a Little League? Well, it'll allow those kids to play more frequently. Well, what about the first tee? Part of the reason Youth on Course was started so long ago was really it was born out of the success of first tee. We looked at how many kids they were impacting nationwide and how excited these kids were getting. They were learning all these skills. And then what? Because they couldn't go play affordably. It's not that it was all for naught, but there was no funnel. And so we pick up where first tee leaves off and then allow these tens of thousands of kids who are now interested in the game to actually go utilize what they've learned. And so we make extraordinary efforts to ensure that the relationships we've got with other youth programs, both in golf and outside of golf, are truly collaborative. Back in January at the PGA Merchandise Show in Orlando, at a diversity and inclusion roundtable discussion, I randomly sat beside a woman from Los Angeles. I was so drawn in by her infectious positivity and pure, unfiltered energy that I had to find out more about her connectivity to the golf industry. That woman is Azucena Maldonado, founder of the Latina Golfers Association. Azucena agreed to join me on the Mod Golf podcast to share how she has built a nationally scalable business that empowers women in the greater LA area, both on and off the golf course. Then I knew that we had to play that role. We had to create events that would welcome somebody that has never stepped foot on a golf course, that has never held a golf club, that doesn't know the first thing. They don't know what birdie is, what par is. So we had to make it non-intimidating and also explain to them and show them that this is for you. It is for everyone and that golf really is welcoming, that it wants us to be there. When you're building something from nothing, you're just creating a need that nobody knew existed. And I just started going to every single Latina event, women's event, business conference, chamber meetings, and just started handing out my cards and saying, okay, I'm creating Latina Coffers Association. Sometimes at first they would say, well, why? Why do I care? Why do I want to do that? Because they had that stereotype, well, golf isn't for me. It's all those people, usually guys, that play golf. And so then they started seeing the connection of how golf can really enhance their professional lives. And then they really love golf and they have gained a business tool. That's really what caught on fire. My final guest for season six is a golf industry entrepreneur that I've been trying to arrange a recorded conversation with for over a year. I reached out to GolfPay CEO Dale Merritt once I connected with him on LinkedIn 
after reading some of his posts about innovating the golf customer experience. On this episode, Dale shares with us the value of harnessing the power of artificial intelligence, machine learning, and experience design to create a mobile golf round check-in platform that removes frustration for both recreational golfers and course operators. I started looking into it, just curious. I'm the guy that walks around looking for problems to solve. That's just my nature. And so I started asking questions and then learning a little bit about the dynamics with barter and how that affects golf course economics. And I really studied that really closely. And then I studied the user experience that was out there for different types of uh, tee time providers. And I thought I could probably create something that was better for golf courses. And that's what golf pay is to this point. And essentially golf pay modernizes how golfers do business with golf courses. They can communicate, they can book a tee time, they can check in, they can buy items out of the pro shop. They can have a, a regular full experience from end to end, anything they wanna do business with, with respect to the course. And you can do it in a lot of different channels. So we created a system called a golf communication omni platform and what it allows golfers to do is to be able to choose how they want to do business whether it's through text message or online which is the most typical they can call in so there's a lot of different channels that allows golfers to do business their way well i hope now that you're inspired to go back and listen to a couple of full episodes based on what you just heard from our 10 season six guests as i mentioned during my intro we are going to be launching season seven in early january so stay tuned for that. To make sure you get the alert, please subscribe to the Mod Golf Podcast on either iTunes or our show page at mod.golf. So when we publish episode one, you'll be ready to hear it. I want to thank our generous sponsor partners, Golf Genius Software, Nextlinks, and British Columbia Golf, who, without their continued support, we wouldn't be able to bring you these golf entrepreneurship and innovation stories. All right, I have to get back to recording our next season of Engaging Conversations. I hope you join me for Season 7 in January. I'm your host, Colin Weston. If you'd like to connect and tell me your thoughts about the Mod Golf Podcast, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Mod Golf Podcast, along with our community pages on both Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also email me directly at Colin, C-O-L-I-N, at modgolfpodcast.com. If you do, I promise to get back to you. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.